folks, welcome into another brand new edition of the 901 Soccer Podcast here as part of Bluff City Media. I am your host, Lauren Stocker. You can find me on Twitter at LDoc93. You can find the 901 Soccer Podcast on Twitter at 901 Soccer Pod. You can find us on Facebook as well. Just search 901 Soccer and we will pop right up. You can also find all of the Bluff City Media accounts on social media. You can find Bluff City on Twitter, Twitter or I guess it's X now, but I'm just going to call it Twitter anyway because I'm old school and I don't like change. It's, it frightens me. Uh, you can find Bluff City Media on Twitter at Bluff City underscore media and Bluff City Media on Facebook as well. Bluff City Media. Pop right up. Got a good one. Going to keep it brief here for you tonight. Got Memphis 901 FC returns home after almost a month away. Uh, they get a 0-0 draw with Indy 11, a team that they just beat in Indy a couple of weeks ago. We will talk about that. Going to recap the road trip that they were on before their return home against Indy, and we'll also talk about some of the roster changes that were made and take a look at the upcoming schedule. Um, So that'll be that, and uh, I guess we will just go ahead and dive right into it. Um, The road trip recap. So 9FC was on the road. Uh, I've never, I can't say never, but it's, they're in a bit of a tough spot um, scheduling-wise as far as having to be on the road. Uh, This was their first home game in a month. They had just come off the back of four straight road games. Um, If you take a look at it, after tonight, they have two more road games. So that means between their last home game was July the 22nd. So between their home loss against San Antonio on July the 7th, they had 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Between the July 12th road game at Oakland and the September 2nd game against Detroit City. Uh, I lost I lost count again, so that's going to have to be 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. It's 10 games. Eight of them are on the road. That's a lot. That's a very long road trip. These last four, um, you know, if you recall, uh, in the last episode we did back on July the 22nd against Orange County, uh, if I recall, things were not going well. They lost that game 4-3. to three. Uh, they were going through a stretch where they couldn't hold on to leads. I believe they were up 2-0 in that game and up 3-2 in that game and lost 4-3. Uh, had, had believe had at least one player sent. They, they had two players sent off. Somebody got sent off for two yellows. Uh, Bruno Lapa, I think, or I think it was Bruno Lapa, got sent off for, for some serious foul play, which even Stephen Glass said was, was, was one of the most obvious red cards ever. And I believe the phrase that I used that night was that they went out there and showed their ass, if I'm not mistaken. I'd have to go back and look, but I'm pretty sure that's what I said. Uh, that was coming off the back of they had gone one, two, three, four without a win. That included a 6-0 loss and a 4-0 loss, and then a 4-3 loss against Orange County. Well, they followed that uh, Orange County loss up with a road game at Pittsburgh where they were up 2-0 and lost 4-2. Um, so that, that ended up being in a stretch of one, two, three, four, five, six games. They gave up at least four goals in four of those six games. That was a problem. Uh, they all, and it was frustrating. Uh, not just for me. I'm sure it was first. Don't ever take my frustration 
my expression of frustration to mean that I think the players and the coaching staff aren't frustrated. That has not been the case. And I don't know that it ever will be the case. And if it ever does become the case, then we've got bigger problems than me being frustrated. Um, but I don't know what happened, but after that game against Pittsburgh, a switch seems to have flipped. They're playing much better. They're very stingy. They're not giving up goals. Uh, as a matter of fact, after the 0-0 draw tonight, that's three clean sheets in the last four games. The, only, the, the fourth game, they only gave up one goal. So four straight game, four games in a row where the grand total of goals conceded is one. That is impressive. That is, that is, that is a quite an impressive turnaround. I think a lot of that probably uh, we'll get in we'll get into it, but uh, you know with some roster changes that were made, we'll get into that more later. But they follow that four two loss up with against Pittsburgh. They follow that up with a zero draw zero zero draw at Loudon, uh, who Loudon beat Memphis to open the season three to one back in, on March the eleventh, and you know that was a weird game. That was a ten a.m. game here so it was 11 a.m and virginia is part of some kids camp they were offering mimosas for the adults on a on like a tuesday morning which i thought was kind of funny uh but you know you know no harm no foul there follow that up they go to indy get a two to one win impressive uh then they go to uh san diego owned by u.s men's national team legend landon donovan they get a 1-0 win uh, a lot of jokes flying around twitter about just how loyal the the union the the san diego fans were then they had they had a nice nice long layoff. Now they used that nice long layoff uh, to become actively involved in the community, something we have been begging and pleading with them to do for years. Uh, so if I'm going to sit here and crucify them when they don't do that, I can only then turn around and give them credit for when they do do that. And this past Saturday, they came down to South Haven and had an open practice at Snowden Grove, one of the uh, best soccer complexes in the entire state of Mississippi. And unfortunately, as tends to be the case, I could not be there. I was in Washington, D.C. attending a work conference, so it was just a little bit frustrating that I couldn't be there, especially considering that Snowden Grove is like a four-minute drive from my house. Um, and I am there during the soccer season three or four nights a week. Um, but apparently they had over 700 youth players there for that, which was mega impressive. And hopefully, I mean, we didn't see it in the attendance tonight. I think the attendance tonight was 2567. You can scroll through the Twitter feed to see what the exact number was. But I'm pretty sure it was 2567, which is by far the lowest number of the year. Come back home after a long road trip. They got a nice little layoff before playing tonight. And I guess now is as good a time as any to talk about the, the roster changes that had been made in between their last appearance at home and tonight uh, touched on a little bit when talking about how much better they had gotten defensively and they added Carson Von Stieg back from injury. Now Von Stieg picked up an injury uh, and I was actually at the game when they were on the road at Louisville back on June the 10th, which they got a three, one win. That was uh, their, that was their fifth win in a row. And that was when they were in the middle of their 12 game unbeaten run. And, don't look now. They're they're on a four game unbeaten run right now. Two wins, two draws. Um, but you know, Von Steve picked up that injury, so he missed Detroit, Tulsa, Battery. That's three. So he missed one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. He missed eight games, and then came on as a substitute in the four two loss to Pittsburgh. But since he's been back, 
they've held Loudon to no goals, gave up one goal to Indy, gave up one goal, held San Diego to no goals, and now have held Indy to no goals. Um, I think a lot of that has to be attributed to Vomstig's return. Uh, Post game tonight, Coach Glass was also quick to point out that uh, Lucas Turchi, and I forget who else he mentioned. I've got the audio saved on my phone. But I forgot who else he mentioned, but he was also quick to point out that two other guys, Lucas Turchi specifically, have also played every minute of those four games. Um, then obviously the elephant in the room is uh, Bill Hamid and I don't want to see parting ways. Uh, that it just, I, I don't know where it went wrong um, for lack of a better, lack of a better term. The, it was billed as the biggest signing in Memphis 901 FC history. And I would agree with that. That would, that was a fair billing. Um, he got here and stabilized the defense for a time. And then he, his appearances just became few and far between. And I guess the club and the player just wanted different things. And so they mutually agreed to terminate the contract, which is fine because Drew Romig has done very well the last several games. So it's, um, I don't think anybody's losing any sleep over it. You got a little bit of a short-term boost. You, I guess you could say you got what you needed from him. You probably would have liked a little bit more than just 13 games for somebody that you're going to bill as the biggest signing in, in team history. Um, but you know, that's now three former U S national team goalkeepers to have played for 901 FC. So that's kind of like a little cool feather in your hat. Um, but other than that, you know, not only see Bill Hamid part ways, Carson Von Steeg comes back and you look down and not only see he's on a four game unbeaten streak, which brings us to tonight's game against Indy. And, you know, a lot of times, and this is something I come back to over and over and over again as the host of the show. But one of the things that drives me crazy about high level soccer, especially at the club level, is when coaches will get their brains kicked in, lose four or five to one, whatever, and then come out, well, you know, yeah, we, we lost by four or five goals, but I think we were the better team on the day. No, you weren't. You lost five to one. The other team that scored five goals to your one goal was the better team. Um, but tonight was an instance where, yes, it finished 0-0, but 9-1-FC was clearly the better team. Um, Coach Glass said that he thinks it's probably a little bit more difficult to evaluate than that, but and, and, and this, this, this man's uh, unskilled opinion, not only see was the better team, even before Indy had a player sent off. And I'm not sure what exactly went on down there. That was something, it was down in the corner, and I saw it kind of out of the corner of my eye. And I saw everybody go crazy, and it looked like the player for Indy either kicked somebody or threw a piece of his equipment probably his shin guard, because I noticed as he was walking off the field after he got sent off, he was holding his shin guard. So I don't know if he threw something or kicked somebody, but either way, that's violent conduct. Thank you very much. Uh, you can hit the showers early. But even before that, 901C had the had the more and better chances. And then in the second half, you really felt like with the sketchy field in front of the indie goalkeeper, which we'll talk more about in a minute, sketchy field in front of the indie goalkeeper and 901 FC being up a man and being the better team, you really felt like they were going to find a breakthrough and they had a lot of chances and a lot of good chances. Um, Luis Fernando hit the post. 
Uh, I think Rodrigo DaCosta went an inch or two wide of the post several times. Hell, Lucas Turchi had a go from like 45 yards out that only went wide by about that much, or at least that's what it looked like from upstairs. Um, if you were in the mafia behind the goal and it wasn't that close, let me know. But uh, Dylan Borsak had a had a had a chance that was blocked uh, for dive, spectacular diving save. If, I, if I'm not if I recall, I think in the first half, Rodrigo DaCosta tried a bicycle kick that forced a diving save out of the indie goalkeeper, which that would have been a uh, goal of the year and maybe even best goal in 901 FC history. Although to me, the Raul Gonzalez goal over Labor Day weekend against Birmingham in 2021, that's probably still the, the best goal. Not the most important or the most meaningful, although it was very important and very meaningful, but just in terms of like highlight reel capability, that uh, Raul Gonzalez goal in 2021 against Birmingham, still it for me. Um, but anyway, that's a moot point because DaCosta did not, in fact, score off the bicycle kick. Uh, but they had the lion's share of the chances. They were the better team. Um, it, it was refreshing the last several, um, you know, watching them that Phoenix game and then watching them that San Antonio game, you know, those were two games where it did look like they quit. Um, and then the, you had the different frustration of Orange County and Pittsburgh games back to back where you had multiple goal leads and still lost both of those games. Uh, so, you know, the, it was actually very nice and refreshing tonight to see them on the front foot with the bulk of the chances. It did actually kind of remind me of those first couple of games in 2019. If you've been around long enough, you you know what I'm talking about, where those early games in 2019, not only see didn't win any of them, but I mean, Goal line clearances, hitting the post with the shot, diving save, blocked at the penalty area, like just stuff like that. And it, just, it was just like, oh my God, when it was, it was like three or four games where they didn't score, but had more, like, if, I mean, uh, you could go the Greg Burhalter touch your nuts, expected goals route. Um, and I, I feel like the expected goals tonight from 901 to see were probably fairly high. Um, so it was good to see them on the front foot and also play well defensively, but. I don't know how well defensively you need to play if the other team is down a man and just holding on for dear life. And that was one when the final whistle blew and it ended 0-0. All of the indie players, uh, I wouldn't quite say celebrating, but just the relief that you could see with them all dropped them. Like they were proud of that point. And at the end of the day, I think you could probably feel like not I want to see let two points slip away. But at the end of the day, it's four games in a row unbeaten. And three of those four are clean sheets. So that is nothing to turn your nose up at, especially after the way the month of July went. Now, the biggest issue, the biggest story of the night was the field. And there, there is no way around that. There's no way to sugarcoat it. There's no way to uh, dress it up. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, when you go to a restaurant and, you know, you're served something that you don't really like, but it's kind of disguised as chicken. Like, there's no way to disguise how bad the field was at AutoZone Park tonight. There's just no way around that. And I will say this. It always does look worse once you, you know, in July and August. The hottest time of the year is when it always looks a little bit rough, especially when you've been picking up and putting down and picking up and putting down all year. Um uh, uh, but there have been several years where even the outfield, even the non-pick-up-and-put-down-over-the-dirt part looks rough. 
the outfield looked fabulous. It, I mean, it, they just put that down, what, two days before the opener against Loudon. Uh, so it better look good. And it does. Uh, but it, it was shambolic tonight, the way the field was. And that was something that uh, somewhat unprompted, I have to say, that Stephen Glass brought up in the postgame. He didn't spend a lot of time harping on it. And I will, I will agree with him on this. He said, you know, look, we'd love to be playing at Wembley. But a lot of the teams that come in here and complain about the field here also play on on bad fields. And there's a lot of truth to that. That's why I have to laugh when uh, teams give 901 FC crap on, on, on the Twitter sphere for the bad field. You're, you're not technically wrong, but uh, let those who are with it, without sin cast the first stone, right? Um, even Louisville City, they've got their own fabulous stadium, and trust me, it's fabulous. Uh, but when Nana Wanna See was up there in June, that field was looking rough. You got teams that play on turf, although I will say uh, the, tonight was 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 bad. For the most part, it's it's serviceable. Tonight was not serviceable. There were a lot uh like a lot of times players would go to make a tackle and whole seams. I mean go to the 901 Soccer Podcast Twitter and scroll through to the early part of the game and you will see the picture that I took and posted of just a just a huge so it's like it's like like it was like that um that's not good and then at various points the and there was a first half water break where three or four grounds crew people had to go out there and start like replacing their divots like it was a golf course um except nobody was playing golf and at halftime, they brought the steamroller out like they were like it was an episode of Home Improvement, and they had Tim the Toolman Taylor, uh, more power <laughs> out there with the with the steamroller, uh, trying to trying to tap it down. And I don't think I saw anybody water it. I had I had one uh, one loyal listener of the show message and say they they didn't water it, and that that was the problem. And to his point, I I don't think I saw anybody water anything, and um, you know. That could have whatever they did didn't work. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Whatever they did did not work because uh, players for both teams. I remember there was one time in the first half where there was a player for Indy, uh, Jack Blake, Jake Blake, Jack Blake, John Blake. I don't know Blake. It was Blake. I don't remember what his first name was though. I have I have the roster in here somewhere. Um, went to take a shot and when he planted the the grass went boom and the ball went. And he's just laying there on the ground, just kind of dumbfounded. And Leston Paul had like gone to slide to try to block the shot, which ended up not being necessary because he botched the shot so bad because of the grass and it went that way. But the indie player tore grass up here and Leston Paul tore grass up here. And they both just got up and just kind of patted each other on the back and went like, I, I don't know what we're going to do. Um, that It was bad. It was bad. And I don't know that I've ever seen it that bad before. It could have just been a one-off. It it um, it may have had something to do with the fact that they haven't been home in a month, and they are you know going right back out on the road. So maybe there was somewhere in the back of somebody's mind that you know we're going to have to tear this up tomorrow anyway. There's no real point in making it perfect or as perfect as it can be made to then just have to pick it right back up the next day with the team going out of town. You know, I, I feel like the, the best that it was was in March, obviously, back-to-back -back home games before baseball season. It was looking pretty good. But then that three-game stretch in June against Detroit, Tulsa, and Charleston, it was, it was I won't say pretty good, but it, I mean, it was looking about as good as it could. 
Um, but you know, with the, I don't know when they put it down, but it, it wasn't down long enough and it wasn't down good enough. Uh, that is, that is the, the, the key takeaway from this game tonight is just, just how bad the field was. And, you know, it does make you wonder and, uh, just how different the game would be if both teams were able to actually play, they wanted to play in terms of planting and, uh, kicking the ball. It's, I mean, it sounds so stupid to suggest that they weren't kicking the ball as hard as they could or they wanted to. But when you're worried about if you kick it this hard and you plant this way and the grass is so bad that your knee and your ACL and your MCL and calf and thigh and your hamstring are all going to explode, uh, you know, that's it's not maybe necessarily like a conscious decision, but it probably is in the back of your mind. Um, but it was just, I mean, that's not to say that's why 901 FC didn't get the three points. Both teams played on it uh, defensively in each half and offensively in each half. So, I mean, both teams had to play on it. That's, that's not the argument here, but at the end of the day, like you, there, there's not a soul out there who can say that that field was not bad. And not only does it affect the play, I just dropped something by mistake, uh, not only does it affect the play, but also it could, it's potentially dangerous. Like I mentioned, somebody's ACL, MCL, hamstring, knee, leg, foot, ankle, whatever. I mean, that's how Stuart Holden's career ended. Um, back in the Gold Cup in 2013, they didn't have enough turf to put down, they didn't have enough grass to put down over the turf for the semifinal at Jerry World, so they filled in the gaps with green sand, which I didn't even know was a thing until they did it. And the very next game in the Gold Cup final against Panama, Stu Holden has to come off after like 15 minutes because his his, his meniscus is torn. And I don't think he ever played again. And now he's uh, now he's the now he gets in arguments with me in the men's restroom in the press box level at Nissan Stadium during World Cup qualifiers. Uh, that's a true story, but this is not the time nor the place for it. Um, but yeah, so 901 FC. Four games unbeaten, uh, 0-0 with Indy. A lot of chances not capitalized on, but at the end of the day, the big story out of the game against Indy was the absolutely shambolic state of the field. But I think that is going to do it for us here tonight. Not a whole lot else to touch on. I will say uh, tomorrow the U of M women's team has a home game against Ohio State. That's a Power 5 opponent who has gone to six of the last seven NCAA tournaments, including a Sweet 16 appearance in 2015. Uh, that's, of course, matching up against your U of M women's Tigers. And they have gone to five out of the last six NCAA tournaments, including a Sweet 16 run last year. They are also back-to-back -back American champions. Uh, so hopefully everybody will get out to the South Campus uh, tomorrow to support the Lady Tigers. Uh, yours truly will be there I, as the representative of Bluff City Mafia, the Bluff City Media, excuse me. Uh, if the Bluff City Mafia made it, that would be cool too. But we here at Bluff City Media will be there to cover the women's game against Ohio State. They got a big win. I'm, I'm just dropping everything tonight. I do apologize for that. But the they got a big win the other night, uh, Sunday as it was. Uh, another thing that I missed, uh, being out of work, out of town for my work conference as the U of M women got a 1-0 win over Ole Miss rivalry game. Now, Ole Miss women's soccer picked to finish, I believe, last in the SEC, but I don't think there is anybody in Memphis that will apologize for a win over Ole Miss in any sport. 
nor should they. Um, but it seemed, uh, by all accounts, the, what was relayed to me, that it was a pretty good crowd. They're not ticketed events, so they're not going to announce an attendance. Um, but I will do my best tomorrow to relay what the crowd looks like to you. Uh, but that is going to do it here for us tonight. So thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Again, I'm Lawrence Stocker. You can find me on Twitter at LDoc93. You can find the 901 Soccer Podcast on Twitter at 901 Soccer Pod. Find us on Facebook as well. Just search 901 Soccer. We'll pop right up. You can find Bluff City Media on Twitter at Bluff City underscore media, and you can find them on Facebook as well. Just search Bluff City Media. And if there is anybody out there in a listener land interested in sponsoring this show specifically or any of the other shows we do, uh, we here at Bluff City Media have lots of other shows. We cover Grizzlies, Tiger Hoops, Tiger Football, uh, Redbirds, you know, Showboats, and of course, Soccer. Got a lot going on here at Bluff City Media. We are probably the only outlet in town that covers every, that makes an effort to cover every team in town. And so if you are just itching to have us uh, pimp out your, your goods, your services, your products, uh, reach out to somebody, and I would personally be happy to point you in the right direction. Uh, but thanks, everybody, again, for listening and tuning in, and we will talk to you next time.